This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. The unforgettable passage that I want to begin with this week comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's verse 9. It says this, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Those words have been meaningful to me. Because they have spoken directly to my heart. Now today I'm going to share with you some some vulnerable truths about myself, pull back the curtain and, and reveal some things that go on on the inside. And uh, I'm gonna begin with my teenage years. As a teenager, I, I was painfully aware of my own weaknesses. I was awkward and shy. Aren't you glad I grew out of that? But I felt inadequate in, in many ways. I was uncertain of, of myself. And the things that I was certain about was that I wasn't good enough. The one place where I found encouragement and strength was among the friends that I had in youth group, teenagers that shared faith with me among Christian friends, and I began to come out of my shell. I began to discover who God had made me to be. And I began to discover the the things that he had provided for me, the, the potential, the talent, the abilities, and that he was calling me to use those for him. One of the places that was most meaningful to me at that time was church camp. And I had the privilege of attending a few different church camps. In high school, I went to Rainbow Christian Camp in Converse, Indiana. And through those high school years, I went to the same week of camp with the same group of friends. And we got to know other teenagers from other churches, other youth groups. And we all attended together. We looked forward to seeing each other there. We got to know some of the adult faculty members over those years that we spent together in those weeks. And it was during that week of camp as a high school student that I began to realize God's calling in my life toward ministry. Now, I had already been thinking about what career I might have in the future, as all high school students do, thinking about what college I might want to attend, what degree program I would participate in. And every, every thought I had, every, every course that I imagined didn't feel right. None of it fit. None of, it, none of it resonated with me. I, I was a good student. I made good grades. I had lots of options, lots of possibilities, but none of them felt right. And it was in this time of uncertainty that one of the, the adults who was on faculty there began to point me toward God's calling, guiding me to recognize the potential that God had placed in my life. And he did this by pushing me to serve. 
we had worship sessions in the evening at that week camp. And one, one night, one of, one of the band members was absent. They weren't available. And he said, hey, we've got a hole in the, in the worship team. Why don't you just jump in? I know you haven't practiced. You're not prepared for this. Just, just give it a try. Just 17 years old. I thought, well, okay, why not? I got nothing to lose. And it, and it was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Later in the week, uh, a couple of friends of mine, a brother and sister, were, were struggling because of their significant difficulty they faced in their childhood. And it was difficulty that, that remained, baggage that they were carrying. And he, this faculty member, in his job was a, a counselor. So working at a camp, he got to use some of those skills. And they had planned on having a conversation um, to help my friends acknowledge the difficulty of their past, the pain that they were carrying around, to, to vocalize it and, and begin letting go of it. And he didn't know them very well, but he recognized the need to help work them through this. And so he talked to them, made sure it was okay, and he invited me to be a part of that conversation, to, to talk with them about their, their difficulties of their past, to help them surrender those to the Lord and begin the process of healing. I didn't know how to respond to that. What, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, I have no idea. I'm a 17-year-old kid. I don't, I don't even know where to begin. And he said, well, you just, just come, encourage them, help me bridge the gap because I don't know them very well and you do. I'll, I'll give you cues. I'll let you know what I want you to do and when I want you to do it. And, and your help would mean a lot to me and to them. And so I went and encouraged them and cared for them through the process of, acknowledging those pains and beginning to let go of them. And I realized the fulfillment of, of letting God push me beyond what I thought I could do, of, of just surrendering and, and being available for God to work through me. What, what incredible satisfaction there was in caring for people. It was during that week that that decision began forming in my mind about ministry. And later that summer, I made a, a public decision to become a minister. And when the time came to apply to college, I applied to only one. And all my friends at school told me it's a bad idea. What happens if you don't get accepted? But I was certain of what God was calling me to. And I was confident that things would work out. I applied to Cincinnati Bible College was accepted, and began training for youth ministry. And as certain as I was about God, what God was doing in my life and where he was pointing me, I was still uncertain about my own ability. And when I thought about what it would mean for me to be a minister, to, to work with a group of teenagers, to guide them in their understanding of the Lord, to help them grow in their faith, I felt wholly and totally inadequate for that. Again, just crippled by what I saw in myself. That's why this verse from 2 Corinthians is so meaningful to me because it, it met me there in the midst of those feelings. It spoke to me, con confronted by my own weaknesses, to hear the Apostle Paul talking about how God works through weakness, how God provides and fills us where we're lacking about the strength that comes when we acknowledge how weak we are. And it reminded me that the way God works in us doesn't always make sense to us right away. 
and what God accomplishes through us happens very differently than we would have done on our own and surpasses what we ever could imagine we could do on our own as well. Uh, I want to I read to you the, the greater portion of where that verse is found, the, the paragraph there from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, as Paul describes more about this, this idea of weakness where God meets us. Verse 1, he, he says this, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had already accomplished so much on his own. He truly did have reason to boast. He came from the perfect family. We read in in the book of Philippians, his letter to the Christians there, about his upbringing, about his, his station in life as a Jewish religious leader. He was obedient to the law, a Pharisee. He was on track for leadership among those men. He was zealous for the Jewish faith, persecuting the church. And in his obedience to the law, he was faultless in terms of his personal ability and effort, significant accomplishments. And not only had he made those personal accomplishments, But God had also intervened in his life with visions like the one described here, visions like the one that met him on the road to Damascus when he was blinded by the light, heard the voice of Jesus, and he surrendered his whole life to the Lord and and accepted the calling to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He had so much that God was doing in his life, and yet Paul spoke of his weakness as a blessing, a blessing that kept him from becoming conceited and boasting about his accomplishments and his standing. This weakness grounded him, reminding him that what would be accomplished in his life would be the result of God working through him, that when he acknowledged that weakness, he would find strength from the Lord. Now, we don't know what kind of weakness it was that Paul's referring to. Many have tried to speculate about this either physical ailment, temptation. They've offered a variety of speculations. We won't go there because speculation leads us to false conclusions. What we will say is this, no matter how Paul's life was limited, the important piece of the message is that that limitation, that weakness, was a reason for him to turn to God, was a reason for him to accept God's power and provision in his life. And our weaknesses should do the same. They should help us understand our need for Christ's power. Like Paul, we can easily focus on our strengths, on our own accomplishments, on our own abilities. But when we do, we tend to rely on 
our own power instead of turning to God. It's our natural tendency. When we have strength, we focus on that strength and we rely on that strength to carry us. And that keeps us from relying on others. It keeps us from relying on God and his strength. And it can lead us to become overconfident and proud. Now, when, when leadership coaches and trainers, when they talk about personal development, they talk about addressing your strengths and weaknesses. And some of them say very clearly that people are most effective working in their strengths. When you work within your area of strength, it takes less time and energy for you to accomplish the tasks that you need to do. And so in order to grow significantly, you should focus just on your strengths, honing those skills, becoming excellent, becoming an expert in those areas. When you work in your weaknesses, it requires more time and energy than it does to work in your strengths. And so you shouldn't waste time being unproductive. Just focus on your strengths instead of trying to overcome your weaknesses. Now, I find a balanced approach to be more helpful personally. There's value in honing strengths just as there's value in improving on weaknesses. But what's most important is being honest and accurate in assessing your strengths and weaknesses, recognizing each for what they are. In the same way that our strengths can become dominant in our lives, filling us to overconfidence, weaknesses can easily become overwhelming if we let them become our focus. For many of us, that is the case or has been the case. We're painfully aware of weakness, and our view of self can be debilitating, limiting who we are and the things that we choose to do. Weakness causes us to wonder about our own self-worth as we convince ourselves that we're unworthy. That lack of worth can then create questions about purpose and direction as we wonder if we have what it takes to accomplish the plans that we have for the future, the hopes that we have for the future. Are we good enough? Can we do those things? And we dream about career and wonder if we'll be able to be successful. We think about relationships and fear that we won't be good enough to hold another person's attention, that they'll quickly get bored or tired or frustrated with us. Now, these doubts and fears are intensified as we think back to previous situations in our lives. We think back with regret to the ways in which we've failed, to the, the ways in which we've let other people down. And it brings us to an overwhelming sense of inadequacy sometimes. And we think that what we have to offer is not enough in terms of appearance, personality, circumstances, our standing in life, the levels of anxiety that we have. And all we can see in ourselves is what is lacking, what's holding us back. And then that outlook is reinforced when we begin to compare our lives with other people. When we look into the lives of the people around us and we see what looks like perfection. And not only does it look like a perfect life, but it looks so effortless. Why do they have what I want? Why is it so easy when I'm struggling all the time? The problem is that we've allowed weakness to become our focus. And those weaknesses become the wall that we can't get over, the barrier that we can't get through. Instead of focusing on the weaknesses themselves, what we should do is allow our weaknesses to remind us of our need for Christ's power. As we surrender those to him, the weaknesses help us develop a dependence on the Lord. Think about it like this. In, in every area of your life, in every, every area of strength in your life, how many times do you stop and ask God for help? In the things that you are confident in, in the things that you've been successful in before, when you attempt to do those again, do you ever stop and say, God, I need you? Probably not, because you can count on your past success 
and have confidence that you'll be successful again. Now think about this. In the areas of your life that you count as weaknesses, how often do you stop and ask God for help in those? How often do you get on your knees and surrender to the Lord and invite him to meet you there and help you overcome those weaknesses? Maybe not every time, but significantly more than you would in your areas of strength. You're driven to call upon God to help you overcome those weaknesses. That's what we need to remember, especially when we feel like God is calling us to accomplish more than we think we can handle, that he will meet us there in those moments, that we can trust his power and strength in our lives, that we can trust that he will fill us in the areas that we lack and supply what we need to serve him and his kingdom. And so when an opportunity comes for us to serve, when there's a role that needs to be filled, when there's a position of leadership and someone approaches you to say, you know what, I've seen this quality in you, and I want to invite you to think about how you can use that to to really help others, to minister to them. When there's a, a position of responsibility for you to take hold of, when, when there's a person that comes into your path that you recognize needs to hear about the Lord from you and you feel totally overwhelmed and inadequate for that situation, when we feel God calling us to step forward and serve him, we need to remember that he made us the way that we are and we can trust his wisdom. And in that trust, we can find confidence that he will be with us, that he will carry us through those uncertain times and that he will supply everything that we need, especially in our areas of weakness. And not only that, but he will be with us through those difficult times. That's what we find as we look into the Old Testament. If you remember when Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land, there were people around Moses, his, his brother Aaron, his sister Miriam. But there was another young man that, that followed Moses almost everywhere that he went. It was his aide, Joshua. Joshua stood in the shadows as Moses led the people. He watched and he learned. He was being prepared for that role of leadership. And at the end of Moses' life, he invited Joshua to accept that role of leading the people of Israel. And he encouraged Joshua to remember the presence of God and to be strong and courageous. That's at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. When we move into the book of Joshua and we we read about how he began that role of leadership, we find this this message from God as he spoke directly to Joshua using the same words that Moses did. Beginning in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1, we read these words. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those are, those are powerful words that remind us of the, the level of trust we can have in God. Especially when we're confronted with our 
weaknesses. I'd like to say that I've overcome all those feelings that I no longer feel inadequate, that I'm no longer confronted with what I lack. But to be honest, I'm continually confronted with those things. In terms of leadership, it's important to be confident, to to lead with certainty, courage, and strength. And yet, It will always be a part of my life to question who I am and what I have. And in each of those moments, I'm reminded by these words from Scripture of how much strength God has to offer, how much I can trust him to meet me in those dark times, in those moments of uncertainty, and supply more than what I need, and to be with me everywhere that I go, guiding me, to the places that I need to be. I've had those strong feelings of inadequacy, especially at points of decision in my life. Maybe you know what that feels like. When, when you, you come to a place in your job and you have this big decision to make about whether you'll look for a, another kind of work, whether you'll take a promotion, whether you'll look for another job, and this moment of indecision confronts you with this uncertainty, maybe in your family. You worry about if you have what it takes to be the right kind of husband or wife, father or mother, whether you can be the kind of person God is calling you to be in those moments. Maybe you're young and you are thinking about the future and you're wondering what it is that God will do in you, what, it is, what contribution you'll make in this world, and you're confronted with those feelings, not only of, of hope, not only of, of desire to, to do great things, but with that horrible feeling of inadequacy as you wonder how you could accomplish what it is that you hope to do. I had one of those moments a a few years ago. After 12 years of youth ministry, I was faced with a decision to make about whether I would continue to serve youth groups and teenagers or whether I would start preaching. And that moment of decision brought me back to that place of uncertainty confronted by those feelings of weakness and inadequacy. When I was hired here at Parkview in 2010, our senior minister, Neil Norheim, was was here and um, thinking in terms of when he might retire. And what I didn't know was that our elders, when they interviewed me, were thinking about the possibility, even though they were hiring me to be a youth minister, that someday I might want to go through a transition process and begin preaching. And if the timing was right, maybe even take on the role of senior minister when Neil was ready to retire. Now, I had always been a youth minister. In my mind, I could see myself being a youth minister for years to come. I was confident in my ability. And where I lacked confidence was in my ability to preach on a weekly basis. I'm somewhat of an introvert. I have, I have a level of shyness and nerves that, that still plagues me. And as I thought about my past and the difficulty I've had with public speaking, I was worried about how I would 
be able to fulfill a different role. How could possibly be successful in high school when it was time to give a, an oral report? I would stand in front of my classmates and friends and I wouldn't even be able to read the pages in front of me because I was shaking so much. It was unbelievable. And I thought about what, how in the world am I going to be able to do this week in and week out, confronted with those weaknesses? And what I came to realize was that God was developing me, working in my life to build me, to mold me and shape me for what he needed me to be and what he needed me to do. In those last years of youth ministry, I had opportunity to speak at camps and retreats. And I found out that I really enjoyed it. Now, it's, it's still difficult. <laughs> I still have to overcome those nerves but it was fulfilling to me, and, and I, I found some success there. As I was working with our previous senior minister, he invited me to, to develop leadership skills by participating with him in ministry situations, and he pushed me to take on more responsibility. And I saw that not only was God working in me, but the people around me, again, were helping me to realize that God was calling me forward. And they helped point me to those things inside myself that I couldn't see because I was focused on my weakness. Now, I still felt overwhelmed about the idea of becoming a senior minister. I knew, but I knew that it was God calling me and preparing me. And, and I continued to develop myself to become more than I was, to develop my strengths and work to overcome my weaknesses. And those efforts were valuable, but the most valuable aspect of growth was developing the right perspective. And instead of relying on my own strength and power, instead of being confident that I could handle, what I needed most was to be dependent on God and to trust Him to carry me through. And that God would work more clearly in my life if I could just surrender to him in humility. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 say this, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. It's humility that reminds us to trust in God's strength instead of our own. And humility helps us recognize accurately our strengths and weaknesses so that we can allow God to work in our lives, so we can open up ourselves to receive his power, to receive his presence, to receive his strength. That yes, we would be prepared, yes, that we would work to develop ourselves, but that we would fully depend on him and allow him to fill us and surpass our abilities that we would continue to be humble. Humility is a difficult thing, especially when we experience success, even in, in ministry. The problem with success is that it makes us confident. And in the moments where I have depended on God, in, in, those, in those messages that I've just been totally overwhelmed and just said, God, help me, I need you here, and God showed up and delivered, the temptation afterward is to think back to those moments and say, you know what, I did a good job that day. I really handled that well. And forget how much I needed God 
We, I remember how easy things were because I trusted him. And then I stepped forward with new confidence, thinking, well, if I, if I did well once, I can do well depend on his power. And I find just how strong those limitations are that I have as I fall short of my expectations. See, we live in this careful balance of dependence and trust, a balance between confidence and weakness. Our weaknesses are a reminder for us to be humble. They help to provide a dose of reality so we don't become overconfident. They draw us back to depend on God and his strength and keep us from stepping forward to serve. In chapter 4 of 1 Peter, he reminded his readers with these words, the, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God is willing. God is able to meet us and to supply for every need in our life, to fill us where we lack, to help us accomplish the things that we do in service to him. And we have to allow God to work in us and through us as we serve. We have to be willing to acknowledge our weaknesses. We have to be willing to depend on his power and his strength. We have to be willing to invite him to meet us there. Sometimes that means that first what we need to do is we need to find a place to serve so that he can work through us and he can work in us. It's important for us to give our time and energy to the kingdom of God. Now, if you're, if you're new, if you're visiting with us, you can not listen to what I have to say. I want you to get to know people here and get plugged in a little bit. If you've been attending for a while, I want to encourage you to imagine the place that God has for you to serve. I want you to consider how God can use you here and now in his kingdom. There are so many opportunities around you to serve, so many opportunities for God to be working through your life to draw people closer to him. So many opportunities for God to be working in your life as you, you recognize your strengths and weaknesses, that you find a place to allow God to use you, allow God to show you the, 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 the satisfaction, the fulfillment of working for him. If you think about in, around us right now and the opportunities we have to, to reach out in the community of the fall festival, Nerf Wars at the fairground, the moments that you have to connect with your neighbors and your coworkers, to, to help connect them to the Lord, to be the link in the chain that draws them closer to God. And, and those opportunities pass by you on a daily basis. I want to encourage you to take hold of those moments, even when you feel totally inadequate for that job, even though you, you doubt whether or not you can be successful. If you have what it takes, God will meet you there and supply everything that you lack so that he can draw people closer to him through your willingness to serve. 
If you think about the places here at church that come together on a Sunday morning so that we can worship God and lift his name high, all the things that have to happen here, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our worship ministry, musicians, a computer tech running the slides and lights and sound and live stream, those who serve communion and prepare communion beforehand, our greeters who are welcoming everybody with a smile, the coffee ministry, those who are working to keep everybody safe while we're here worshiping together, the chairs that have been set up and prayed over before we ever even arrived today, all the things that have to work together for worship to take place. Those are all people faithfully serving some of them in roles that they, they never would have thought of doing before, but that God is using them to accomplish. Think about all the things that happen outside of a Sunday morning. Our youth programs, our children's programs, our women's Bible studies, the fantasy football night, getting men together to connect. We have all kinds of things that we're doing here to draw people closer to the Lord and closer to each other. Ways in which we're pushing our people into the community to help draw people to come to know Jesus Christ, his love and grace, to accept him as Lord and Savior. All the incredible opportunities for each of us to be used by God if we're willing to submit ourselves, to set aside our pride and to humbly accept the role that God has placed before us and trust that he will meet us there, that he will go with us into those places and provide what we need. God is providing such incredible opportunities for us. And I want to challenge you to find that place to serve, to answer that call in your life. To let God work through you. To bridge the gap. To draw people closer to Him. And I want to, I want to tell you this. As you do, you'll find that God is working in you as much as He's working through you. That God is molding you and shaping you, developing that potential that he already placed there. Building you for more. Helping you understand the, the true purpose of your life. So my challenge for you this morning is to accept that calling. To say yes and see what it is that God can do through you. And always be ready for those moments when God brings someone into your life where you can help them come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Opportunities like right now, as I want to invite any of you here today who have never accepted Jesus Christ to, to make that decision, to find forgiveness through his blood, and to know the, the power of the indwelling spirit of God that will supply for your needs as you serve him. If you have a decision to make this morning, if there's anything in your life that you need prayer for, Please come forward as we stand and sing together.